Welcome to Cambridge Stronger, where culture counts and values matter most. I'm your host, Amy Weber, and joining me today is Walter Scott, partner and investment advisor representative of Wayland Scott Asset Management. Thank you for joining me, Walter. That's my pleasure, Amy. Great to be here. All right. Well, my favorite place to start, we're going to go there as well on these podcasts, is starting at the beginning. How did you get into the financial services industry and um, what did your journey look like? Well, my journey was, you know, kind of a couple of different paths, but uh, basically I took a, a year off between college and law school. Um, I happened to hook up with a local accountant in my town who was just getting involved in providing financial services to his accounting clients. Thought it would be a good idea to kind of explore that area. So I got licensed through a regional broker dealer and did that for a year. Um, learned a lot and at a very young age was put in front of clients, was given a lot of responsibility to deal with assets and I found it very interesting. So kind of kept up with that on a part-time basis while I went to law school full-time uh, after that. And then um, and then kind of veered off away from financial services a little bit. We uh, I developed a close-knit relationship with my tax law professor who kind of guided me towards that area. And when I graduated law school, took a job uh, as a tax consultant in the big five accounting world in Manhattan. Worked there for about six years, again, learning a lot at a young age and being put in front of ultra high net worth families and corporate executives and really seeing their entire teams of advisors and financial consultants, attorneys, and kind of where everyone fit into their little mix. While I was doing that, I was started teaching at NYU, teaching tax, uh, which was a lot of fun. But after, you know, after a while, you kind of, you blink your eyes and, you know, six months turned into six years and uh, kind of felt like six years was going to turn into 26 years. And I was working way too much. I mean, it was just, you turned around, the week was gone and you, you really didn't know where it went. So after my wife and I had our first child, it was kind of clear that if we wanted any type of a life that was going to involve the two of us spending significant time together with our family, we were going to have to make some changes. So um, I kind of took the things that I was able to learn and said, why wouldn't they apply to, to average people, you know, where they could have an advisor as part of their team with their local lawyer or accountant and kind of take that same teaming approach that um, very high net worth families were utilizing. So um, I was very lucky that she was very supportive and I left that job uh, as we just had our first baby and bought our first house and was hooked up with a a broker dealer with a friend of mine that was doing health insurance planning. And as you know, Cambridge has been great to all of their advisors in this particular case. Uh, the broker dealer was very understanding to allow me, you know, to set up an OBA for legal work and selling real estate and pretty much doing anything, you know, within reason that would enable me to put food on the table for my family while starting to collect assets under management and build the business that I was hoping to build. And tw 20 years later, here we are. So that's a lot to unpack. You've done a lot of, I mean, 
maybe in a similar uh, industry, so to speak, if you look at financial services at the highest level. But let's back up and talk a little bit about a couple of things I heard. That first firm that you went to work with, I think if I heard you correctly, you talked about how at a very young age, you were given a lot of responsibility and put in a position of being client facing. What did you have to do or what do you think you did to impress upon the owners of that firm that you could handle that kind of responsibility at such a young age? What were the attributes and the activities that you did to try to impress them? And, you know, they trusted you to take such a role. Probably the smartest thing that I was able to do was just sit back at the beginning and do a lot of listening. I went to every single client meeting, um, took notes, uh, even on clients that I was going to have no involvement with. Uh, I went to those meetings. I would ask follow-up questions. I would ask to be pointed in the right direction to different research uh, on things that the client was asking about in the meeting that I may not have known anything about. And I spent my free time learning. So I, I didn't have the tools coming out of college to to go right away and offer people advice. Um, so you have to develop those. And I decided I was going to take the time to do that. And where I still think sometimes today are, you know, our younger people um, are too eager to contribute to a meeting. There's so much value in listening and, and just absorbing what a more experienced person is trying to do in a meeting that if you're too busy, you know, trying to figure out how you add value, you're missing everything that's going on around. So I think the fact that I stayed very quiet and did a lot of extra things behind the scenes finally impressed upon them that, you know, I, I was not over eager. I was really looking to contribute and, and do it in the right way. So in that role, you were client facing. Did I understand correctly that some point in that 20, did you say 26 years, that journey that we just talked about, did you choose to take a step back from being client-facing when you went to the big firm? Yeah, I did. We went, I went to a big five accounting firm, went to two of them. Um, that was, again, full client-facing. Uh, so you were in front of the client every day, but in a much different way. Uh, you, know, you, were, you, know, you were working as part of, a, you know, I was the tax consultant. They would have the person from Goldman Sachs at the meeting. So you were really part of a, you know, a bigger consulting team um, when you were bringing those, you know, thoughts and ideas. And again, I was a younger person where there would be a partner involved. So you, know, you just had the opportunity to learn so much uh, just by being in the meetings, you know, with other people that have been there 20, 30, 40 years. Makes sense. And then the next turning point I heard was families coming really going independent or finding that entrepreneurial spirit. I loved what you said. Um, what I wrote down was you took what you learned for the high net worth space to try to bring it downstream to individuals and families as you were thinking about building out your own strategic plan. So what was that like? You had to have had some, I mean, you know, you're, you're going out and taking a risk to some extent. You had to have some reservations, but what was it that finally pushed you into, hey, I, I can do this. We can do this. You said you had your wife's support. That's probably really important when you try to make a big transition like that. Yeah, I think that that's probably, you know, 99% of it. If you could, you know, have a, you know, partner in your life that uh, is going to stand behind you and give you the flexibility to go out um, and try to build something that you feel is going to benefit all of you in the long run, you're going to have a chance to be much more successful. So, you know, without 
somebody kind of telling you, hey, don't worry about coming home for dinner tonight. Don't worry about missing, you know, this weekend's events as you're trying to do this. You're able to do that with a, a clear head and a, and a good conscience, um, which I was able to do. And although, you know, many of us, I think that are probably at Cambridge now that, you know, are successful are the longest overnight successes ever because it takes a lot of time to build that. Um, I think you see what you want it to be at the end. And, you know, the only thing that I've always wanted to do is to buy my time back to spend with my family and do the things that I wanted to do. And I didn't see that path in anything else I was doing. Um, and when I started building this business, you really do see a clear road to get where you want to be. And for some people, that's continuing to grow your business. Um, and for some people, it's getting to a certain point where you feel really good about where you are and the amount of free time that you have kind of claimed back in your life to spend with the people that mean the most to you. Yeah. Yeah. Great story. So you don't do it alone. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what you've surrounded yourself with since you built your firm and saw that that vision of what you wanted it to look like. So you and your business partner have been helping businesses and families work towards their financial goals for a long time. How's the firm evolved? What does it look like today? Yeah, I think our, our firm has you know moved in a few directions over the last 20 years, but kind of probably came back to where we started, which was really just you know, me and my partner, Tom, who I'm very lucky to have not only a good business relationship with, but a extremely close family relationship with. And, you know, again, when you care about the person that you're working with, uh, it makes your life a lot easier because you know that somebody's going to be there to help you out if you need it. Um, and you are more than willing uh, to help them out when when they're needed. And that that adds a lot of comfort to your life. So we have the two of us. We have, you know, our administrative staff. Robin has been with us, you know, several years. And, um, you know, Tom and I tried different iterations of the practice where you hire junior advisors and you're trying to, you know, build something a little bit bigger. And, and then maybe that takes you away from your core competency. And all of a sudden you're doing more managing than you are advising. And after all the attempts, I kind of think we got back to what we do best. And that's be in front of our clients, talk to them directly, sit at their kitchen tables. And we felt the best way to continue to grow is really with the two of us doing what we do best, having support staff from both, you know, not only internally, but with a great partner like Cambridge that really makes our ability to grow our business so much easier. So what I love about this business and why I love these podcasts so much is the sky's the limit on the the way that you build your business and where you want to spend your time. And I think it's a little counterintuitive. A lot of the things you're talking about, younger people trying to get into the business, thinking about getting into the business. Um, I don't know that they realize the gifts that this industry give in terms of flexibility, both to your point, free time, but also just how you want to build it, what you want to spend your time doing, what are your core competencies, what fills your cup and makes you happy, and then build around yourself um, a way for others to 
lean in and help you on the things that you'd prefer sure. not to spend your time doing. So I appreciate you sharing that. I understand you utilize SEI for your investing clients. So let's, since, since you like to spend your time focusing on the client, which is in the end, what we're all here to do, take care of our, our clients and the investing public. Um, for those less familiar with SEI, SEI partners with Cambridge and its financial professionals to provide up-to-date research to anticipate the changing needs of an investor and create some innovation for financial planners to leverage. So Walter, explain a little bit about why you chose SEI and and the benefits that you see in partnering with a firm like that for asset management. Sure, sure. Um, so, you know, as we started to to build our practice and gather assets, um, it became very clear that in order to do that at a high level, we were going to have to surround ourselves with a third party asset management program um, that did a couple of things. One provided us with significant back office support, technology, analysis, all of the things, you know, that a large institution would be able to do so that when we go to clients, we're able to exhibit all of the core competencies that any advisory firm uh, would be able to do that. Secondly, we want to work with people that we like and people that have the same core values. And, you know, when we talk about the kindness and all of the things that Cambridge put forth, um, you know, my partner Tom and I never found the need to spend any of our time working with people that didn't add enjoyment to our life. And that's both personally and professionally. And we just found that the level of caring that was exhibited by SEI, not just to provide good client service and good service to our business, but truly wanted to make us a more successful firm as a whole and came up with innovative ideas for us to implement and things that we didn't even ask for. Um, that's what we were looking for. It was very, you know, selfless in terms of the amount of time that they've spent with us over the last 20 years to make sure our business was thriving. I believe what you're describing is maybe an environment where you've got contacts there that you can talk to when you've faced a particular obstacle for one reason or another, and they help you figure out from maybe maybe I'd call it practice management to some extent, like what they can offer to help you grow and build your business. What kind of financial professionals do you think, what kind of attributes should someone have if they're thinking about leveraging a relationship like SEI? Is there something unique to the advisors that make it work best? Well, you know, I, I would probably say, you know, in the new environment, the these platforms, SEI and others, um, have become much more robust in their client offerings. So they probably are appealing to a broader range of advisors. But I will tell you, you know, why they were so appealing to us and, and these platforms in general, um, you know, we're, we're not looking to, to construct client portfolios. I'm not looking to, to go into the minutia of what it is to make an intricate portfolio, make day-to-day -day changes. We gather assets, we talk about our clients, goals and objectives, and then we spend our time with our clients. We go to their houses, we go to their weddings, you know, we go to their funerals. We are there with them as they're going through life's challenges. The product and the, you know, the end deliverable was never the most important thing for Tom and I, because then you just become, you know, a, 
a salesperson again. And that's not what we were looking to do. We want to create a client experience and we want to partner with other firms that value us as a client the same way we value the end client user. And uh, I think if you're an advisor that wants to create much broader scope than you could in your own office because you don't have the CFAs, you don't have a fixed income desk, you know, you can't do what these platforms, you know, give you. Um, you want to go out and pick one that's going to free up all your time to get back in front of your clients or, or new prospects. Um, and that's kind of what SEI has, has done for us. And I guess the last thing I would say is we are a small firm. We are very conscientious about compliance, uh, about the importance of compliance and Cambridge's role in our compliance. Um, and it was very important for us to utilize a firm that had a good partner relationship with Cambridge so that when it's time, you know, to look at uh, your books and records and all of the things that we're required to do, um, that Cambridge felt good about the various partners that we deal with. So there's no reason for us to recreate the wheel. And we want to make sure that we're dealing with an institution that our BD feels good about. I can't agree more with your earlier statement about, maybe not for everybody, but certainly for me as well, finding people that I work with both in my personal and professional life that I enjoy is really important. And I too um, feel like Cambridge and myself personally have really great relationships with those people that support us at SEI. So I can see this uh, synergistic approach to core values from you and us and them. Um, so nothing you're telling me is, is surprising me. Walter, you've got some education and background that probably allows you to be pretty savvy in these areas, but how does it work or do you get involved with your clients in any kind of a strategic or tactical manner for the tax and estate side of things? And does SEI have some tools that they help you out through that? Or do you go elsewhere for those services? How does that part of it work? You said taxes are fun when you were talking about right. teaching tax. And I don't think everyone in the world thinks that is fun. So you've got to have something up your sleeve about how magical that is. At yeah, your and I will stress the teaching part was fun, not the underlying topic <laughs> is not necessarily fun. Fair enough. But, you know, I would say what I've always tried to do is use the educational background in, in tax or accounting or other legal areas. Um, to just know enough to add value to the conversation that we were having with the client. Uh, it's not a substitute for the client having their estate planning lawyer there um, or their accountant present, uh, but certainly SEI does have a, um, a trust tax department uh, that we're able to leverage and bring into calls with the client's other advisors. Um, but I, I have always found that if you could add some initial guidance to clients and and really lay groundwork for what they need to, to do before they get lawyers involved and some, you know, other expensive advisors that we all try to be conscientious, you know, of when we're dealing with our clients and their costs. Um, I think the client has a tremendous amount of appreciation for that added value. And I think if you could know your limitations and what you're supposed to be bringing to the table, uh, and not bring to the table and just kind of get the ball rolling. Um, you do cut out a lot of front time, which is important to the client, um, without trying to 
to give advice that might be outside of your area of expertise. Yeah. Great. Great. Thank you for sharing that. We're going to talk here in a minute about what you do with that intentionally constructed free time that you've explained uh, to the listeners. But before we go there, you still sound like a really busy guy, but I believe you're a member of the New Jersey Bar. You've also been recognized by the New York University Stern School of Business. We talked about how much you enjoyed teaching, which is really admirable. Don't you find the skill sets that maybe allow you to enjoy standing in front of students and teaching come back to your natural inclination of being a lifelong learner yourself? And then you can translate that frequently to a lot of what you do with your clients is teaching, isn't it? I think it's probably the majority of what you're doing. You're, You're really just trying to educate them so that they can make the decision on what direction that they want to take. I found, you know, in having been in the same room with other advisors in my earlier career, that there are advisors that want to tell people what to do. And then there are advisors that want to just kind of give you the options, give you the best education and empower you to make the decision that's best for you and your family, even if it might not be their first choice. Um, That's the approach that I've always taken. I think my job is to give people all the information to educate them and answer every question that they have. And at the end of the day, put them in the best possible position to make a successful decision uh, in the best interest of their family, not in my best interest. Um, It's in their family's best interest. And I think if they feel good about that choice, whatever it is, it's the right choice because it's the one for them. That's great. I love it. All right. So let's talk about, you know, you've designed your business intentionally to give you what you and your fa- your wife in particular wanted as you were building that young family years ago. What does it look like today? What do you spend time outside the office doing? Talk a little bit about your family and, and what you guys enjoy doing together. Yeah. So, you know, as kind of we talked earlier, and I think this is not in any way unique um, to the many people that I've met at Cambridge who have been lucky enough uh, to have a, a spouse that has stood behind them and helped them build their business and all of the difficulties that go into that, especially in the early years. So, um, you know, I've been very blessed uh, with a, you know, a wife that took care of our four children, uh, raised them, uh, allowed me to do all of the things that I needed to, to build a successful uh, business. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I know some people that have met at Cambridge whose wives or husbands work with them in the office. Um, and although mine does not, you know, she'd still be the most important part of my practice as a team member um, because I could not get any of the things done um, over the last 20 years without, you know, her being behind the practice and behind the business. So, um, you know, we did this together with a vision of being able to spend more time with our kids as they grew up. Um, I think, you know, if I had to be honest, this, you know, we could have, Tom and I could have both built practices that were multiple times bigger than they even are today. Um, but I know that Tom never missed one of his son's hockey games. Uh, I coach my kids' teams. Um, we don't miss family uh, important milestones and events. And at the end of the day, um, when people want to know what you do with the success of your business, you know, I go back to, to I buy my time back. And that's what I've always done. 
Um, and I'm really lucky that I have four great kids ranging from 20 down to you know, the youngest just turned 13. And, uh, you know, these kids don't stay little for long. And I feel that when that part of our life is over, um, that I'll feel really good about the time that I, that I bought back. And it would be the best thing I spent my money on. I couldn't agree more. I felt the same way as I was charting my career. And I'll tell you, I'm about to become a Mimi slash grandma for the first time. And I thought for a while, when the kids are done, I'll take that time I bought back and probably put it right back into the business because I didn't do a very good job of finding hobbies with all the work uh, I did on the uh, side when I wasn't with my kids. But now I'm really excited to still have that time I bought back to be able to go spend with my grandchildren. So um, I, th I think it sets a great family stage for sure. You're inspiring. Well, I, I will say on behalf of all Cambridge advisors, we appreciate the time that you didn't buy back and instead gave to us and our businesses. Thank you. Uh, loved every minute of it. Um, what you're describing, I think, is in the independent space overall, but hopefully a big priority here at Cambridge is we provide you the choice to build your own business, be in control of your own destiny and control your own journey, assuming that we're all steering in the right direction, making sure investors come first. And you've built a really, really strong business as a part of Cambridge Nation that it sounds like you know your clients are very well taken care of and you're helping them reach their goals and find their time, I think, in the end. So thank you for that. And thank you for trusting us. Of course, of course. it's uh, It's been one of the, you know, most important decisions that Tom and I made uh, five years ago when we joined Cambridge and uh, certainly feel that it's paid dividends many times over. Thank you. Is there anything, Walter, that you think people should know about um, your business, how you decided to build it, your relationship as it relates to what you outsource versus insource? Anything I haven't asked you that you think would be helpful? I think we've kind of covered most of it. The only thing that I would probably add, and it, and it relates specifically to both Cambridge and, you know, SEI, who we do the majority of our business, or whether it's an annuity company that you find yourself utilizing. Um, you know, I think there is no substitute in our practices um, for getting to know the people that we deal with every day. And uh, when my family came down to Florida last year, you know, my kids all sat and had dinner with Bobby and her husband, Doug. Um, Bobby explained, you know, how she works with me. They asked her a lot of questions. You know, Doug was his usual charming self with the kids. And they walked away from that with a real understanding of what it is that I do more so on a day-to-day -day basis and the wonderful people that are there to try to help us out. And I think, you know, whether it's at Cambridge or, you know, at CI or whatever, the advisors need to make sure at a young age that they're starting to develop these relationships with the people that are trying so hard to, to put them in a good position to be successful. I love that. I'm so glad you added it. Relationships are what this is all about. Life for me, the it being life, which carries into career and personal. Um, and I'm appreciative that you are a part of my life and a part of Cambridge Stronger. So thank you again for coming on and sharing yourself with us today. My pleasure, Amy. It was great talking to you. Thank you for tuning in to Cambridge Stronger. I invite you to listen to my podcast episodes where I have candid conversations with genuine inspirational financial professionals and leaders within this fiercely independent financial services industry. The best of the best, the strongest of the strongest. You can listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, 
Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the Podbean app.